Hello listeners and welcome back to Inner and Outer Reality, in reality and outside. As always, I'm your host Sean Penn Albert, and today we have with us... She, what's up? What's up, what's up? She Powell. I like that. I like it. Just keep saying my name, She. <laughs> it's like She Power. She Power. She. Um, so back to what we were talking about and stuff. Um, Can't even remember. Yeah, I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the moment now. <laughs> Outside is just very different from inside. You get to like experience. I didn't realize it was so cloudy today. Uh, it's, it's but smells, good cloudy. It's good cloudy. It's not like it's going to rain cloudy. Um, the smell, it slightly smells like pee, but also not so strong. Yeah, I do smell like, like that kind of sewage smell. Yeah. But also a hint of cinnamon or something. Yeah. There's, ob- there's a sweet smell in the air of food. There's lots of restaurants around us. Um, it's nice. And then we get to look at all these like Art Deco, but also kind of bland buildings. Like on that side is Art Deco. Over here is bland. You know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I was okay. I was looking at this TED Talk about this woman in New York City who was looking at these luxury apartments that they built. And apparently in New York City, they built these like billion, trillion dollar apartments. Like the rent is like million dollars a month or something. And she was like, all of these apartments are empty. Every single last one of them. And the only reason why people buy them is because rich people realize that investment in real estate is a safer place to stash their money yeah and there she was like in every single major city there is apartments like these and half the time because like most of the world's billionaires are men so like half the time these men have more than one of these million dollars apartments all over the place and it's just kind of like really surreal just to think about that like whoa i was just i don't know I was maddened. I was I was astounded. She was like the buildings are taller than the tallest building in New York. Like they actually literally built them to be the tallest building. Mm-hmm. And they block out the sun on the on the yep. park. And um, what else? It, it it's just kind of weird. And again, that feeds into late stage capitalism of that like we capitalism was so successful, quote unquote, cuz successful is uh, subjective. But it was so successful in production that, like, we now have everything that could be provided for us. But late-stage capitalism is basically the absence of, like, no, we're not going to become socialism. Even though we have all these things that could do that, we are still, you're going to give us all the profits. People have so much money that they do live, like, kings and queens. And I, I can't even imagine, like, what life is like like that. And also, I was thinking about these empty apartments. What if they just let all the poor people live in them? <laughs> yeah, but they won't because they won't. that would, quote, unquote, depreciate the value. Yeah. And they would lose money. But really, like, they would be gaining so much more. Like, they would be providing life, you yeah. know? Like, it, let's say, like, you provide housing for all these low-income people or homeless people. And it's just like, and then they become something. They become the next millionaire themselves, you know? Like, you spawned that. You funded that. Speaking of, like, empty location, like, empty houses, something that was super creepy to me. Um, In Disney World, Walt Disney literally recreated every house that was important to him. He recreated his best friend's house, his house, his mom's house. He recreated his whole neighborhood. I'm talking not even the house, but down to, like, the details. Like, there's furniture in these houses Mm -hmm. that looks just like the furniture that existed in the houses when he knew them. And then, last thing... Walt Disney World is also buried in the Florida Disney World. It's like, he's buried on the grounds. And I was like, how does that not make Walt Disney World haunted? Like, that man's soul will never rest. And then, here's the last little point I have about Walt Disney World. I went there as an adult in 2019. So, I remember, because my friend works there, mm-hmm. and I remember going through the rides. I didn't realize that Walt Disney World is populated by robots. 
Like Oh, so many. Yeah. So many. And I was so unnerved about how these robots look at you, how they move. They like really are very lifelike. And it was like I was holding my my heart, holding my chest as I went through the little mermaid ride because Ariel was looking at me and I'm talking about if I would move, Ariel would move. Yeah. And I was like, the fuck is wrong with these robots? The technology that goes into the animatronics at Disney World is insane. And like now it's even like crazier now with like LED technology and stuff and facial tracking and everything. Mm, yeah. Like I remember when I went to Disney World or Universal Studios, one of the two, uh, and going on like the ET ride. Uh, it once you like brought ET back home or whatever, and you're like leaving the ride. ET would say your name, like, like thank you, Sean, thank you, Jeff, thank you, my mom's name, and it's just like, I remember just being like, wow, you know, but like that was like when I was little. Imagine what it's like now, now you know, and the government is using stuff like that. Oh with yes, all of us, you know, and so coming back to the fact that Walt Disney World is in fact haunted, I I truly believe. That like even the robots themselves are haunted. Maybe, are oh haunted. my gosh, maybe like it's not haunted because they are just in the robots, and that's the way they, they like do their haunting. It's yeah. just like existing within these animatronics. Remember, my friend works there, so she used to work at the haunted house, um, that attraction, and she says when they shut down Disney World. They cut the power off, right? Uh -huh. So that it's easier than trying to turn off everything. And then what they have the people who work at these attractions do is they actually have to walk the floor to like actually power down these animatronic robots because even though they've cut the power, they are still moving. They are still moving. That's creepy. And she said to me, like, they're smart. So, like, these robots actually conserve energy. They conserve electricity. And they will, when they go in threes, because when they go turn off the robot, if there's just two of them, the robot will turn and turn and turn. <laughs> it's like, don't, don't turn me off. Yes, it's, it's, it's literally trying to stop the person from turning them off. That's why they go in threes, so the third person can turn them off from behind. And I'm just like, what have we created? I am so afraid. That's insane. <laughs> uh, They're haunted. Wow. Uh, AI technology like blows my mind uh, I'm gonna go off on a tangent because there is something that I wanted to get into and stuff and talk about was Afrofuturism yes um, could you explain to my guests or the listeners now um, your thoughts on Afrofuturism and what that means to you and everything um, so I have been so passionate about Afrofuturism since 2015 um, I just saw it as an opportunity to recreate or like elaborate on my version of what it means to be black. In my opinion, culture is redefined in every generation. Every generation has the right to redefine who they are and what their culture means to them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, unlike tradition, which says that traditionally we do these things, I believe that like every new generation can take tradition and say we're not going to do this or that we're going to do it in this way absolutely um especially with black culture because black culture is such that it has always had um this renaissance incorporated in it um so for me afrofuturism is basically taking the values and the principles around what it means to be black because what it means to be black isn't about my biological race or biological like attributes of my human body. It's more of a political idea. Because um, if you think about it, humans, I, it's, they say it's dangerous to say it like this, but race is not biologically um, sound, right? I can have a white baby. Like mm -hmm. you could have a black baby. Yeah. We are all mixed and we're all part of the human race. Yes. Right? So race is something that was created by white supremacy to create difference among people. Yeah. Now while that is true socially, especially in the United States and you know, in different countries around the world, socially race does mean something. And race has been socialized so that people who have different racial attributes are targeted or are not allowed to do certain things so race is real because yeah. socially we have made the it contracts. a reality yes yeah. it's a construct so when it comes down to me as a black person 
I have always wanted to just exist in the way that I've wanted to exist. I've wanted to love and learn about myself while not being confined to what someone else defines blackness as. I remember when I was younger, my dad would say I talk like a white person, but also like, what the fuck does that mean? You know, like, and so Afrofuturism to me is defining myself for myself and looking for a future that'll allow me to be myself in all the different ways I want to like in a different podcast we talked about name yourself you know like in the past you know that's also the thing that's really sad that we're still doing it's just like this is the first black astronaut this is the first black judge this is the first black whatever like I don't want that to be my history my culture I don't want to be known just because I was the first black this or that yeah you know like I want to be able to shed and dawn on identities as quickly and as often as anyone of any other race would yeah um but again it all has to come back down to your values and your principles um and that's what I think blackness is really about it's about being principled um against certain things like I've always noticed that blackness is always reaffirming life um when you're black you know that people just get gunned down um, by police or in the streets when you're black you know that it's very easy for people to dehumanize you so blackness has always been about trying to find similarities and grow from that you know um, that's what black political identities are about it's just about trying to find a way to affirm life and to grow in a healthy way in this world that does not affirm you yeah um So Afrofuturism these days is really exciting because it's coming from all sides. It's 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 literally a way to redefine culture and American culture at that because black culture has always been a defining thing about America. You know, Uh, black culture created almost every aspect of American musical life. Black culture has redefined how we do acting and how movies work. Yeah. You know, so like when black people decide that this is what we're going to do with our culture, the whole world sits back, it looks at it, and then it it adjusts. Yeah. You it know, acclimates or it absorbs it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I just think Afrofuturism. It's 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 this generation, the millennial and the Gen Gen Z. It's a it's our generations. A chance to redefine culture to reflect what we want. That's all I feel like it is in a really simple way. Um, for me, I got into Afrofuturism, uh, I think around 2019. When I, well, I had been into it before then, but when I learned about what it was and everything was when I had started my writings on the funk. Yeah. And uh, after I had. Um, my moment of what I would call parability uh, during one of my meditations and the word parability came to me and uh, it explained like all of these things about just like and I talked about this on the last podcast of this one with Bryce of this experience I had where I kind of connected with the universe and once I started like really getting into things I discovered Afrofuturism and I how I see Afrofuturism is essentially a, a what I would describe as kind of a post-white supremacist world where we have moved beyond these things like let's say that like aliens and robots are now sentient beings and they're around our stuff whites aren't going to be like the things in charge you know and and, like there could be stories of anyone and everyone and it's just about that character it's not about who they are because of what they are you know it's just them existing and recently like I remember bringing up Afrofuturism when someone was talking about and they considered it white genocide, and I was like, "That I was like, why would that be a thing? It's not. It's not the elimination of white people. It's the moving on of everyone, like as humans. You know, it's a futurist view, but with uh, Afrocentric values. You know, uh, and not just black people, but like all races and all creeds. You know, and so it's just like I want to throw this idea out." Um, White supremacy is a ideology, it's a philosophy, it is something that you can be a white supremacist and not be white. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Dave Chappelle did this hilarious bit of a black white supremacist. He was blind yeah, and he didn't yeah, yeah. know. You know, but, you know, aside, comedy aside, right, white supremacy is a group of ideas that is built on exclusion. Yes. And 
what everyone these days is looking for is a way to include and not exclude, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're not trying to... Or the progressives are, at yeah. least. I mean, yes. I, I just feel like that's that's the world. Like, we are all humans. Again, I just want to, like, emphasize that we're all humans. And we're all looking for connection, especially in this digital age where, like, actual connection actually becomes harder. It's easier than ever to actually talk to someone online, but it's actually way harder to, like, actually emotionally connect um, so that you're actually seeing someone in a human way. And so Afrofuturism is looking at the world and saying, like, we have been starved of this chance to just define ourselves for ourselves. And we just want to, you know, shed off this idea of not being a part of this inclusion. Like, we we are in the future. Yeah. And we have been in the past. I, I know, like, a big part of Afrofuturism is refining our view of the past and then redefining what we think the future is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really unfortunate that someone would define Afrofuturism as white genocide because the first question I I would say is, do you know what genocide is? Have you ever actually um, seen what genocide does and how it actually works? Because this is my understanding. When you exclude a group of people and you characterize them in such a way that people see them as not human or as predatory or as that is actually building the case as to why these group of people don't deserve to live. It's separatist. It's a separatist, and separatism leads to genocide. Yeah. Period. And the thing, we were talking earlier about the psychographics of Gen Z. And the thing about Gen Z is they're digital natives. They've grown up on the internet, and they've really been affected by this polarization of American society where there are people who are absolutely against anything that decolonizes or is more inclusive and they see that as a death of their country and death of their culture and then the other side where everyone's trying to expand definitions and expand ways so you can find Gen Z uh, like on both sides of this in a really dramatic way and the thing that scares me is that they were born during a time when Obama was in office so they see black people, some of them, see black people as these people who were in charge of the country and then these people who just were so horrible that our country is just torn apart. Basically, like, black people are the reason why our country is horrible. They're the ones who are always in charge. They're the elites. They're this, this, and this. And this narrative, it kind of sounds like the same kind of historical narrative that led to other past genocides Mm -hmm. in the past and that scares me yeah that scares me a lot because that just that just kind of feeds into this kind of loop that we seem to be in you know like we we barely even left jim crow like my mom was a baby when jim crow was uh eliminated like it was only like 40 50 years ago yeah yeah so like she actually remembers because she was living in houston she remembers when she was not allowed to go downtown she wasn't allowed to go into like um the theaters or any of that she she remembers it so like coming from a space where your identity was they said you could only do this and you could only be this way and now coming into a space where it's just like define yourself that's radical yeah and and to not want people to be able to experience that is i would have to question like what is your end goal yeah that's all inclusivity or exclusivity and so where funk comes in for me is essentially like funk is is the all-encompassing everything some people would describe or, or relate to what i describe as funk as god as the all and everything and so like we are made or we are so we understand that we're constructed of atoms right and whatever atoms are constructed of you know quarks electrons uh protons whatever they're constructed of are constructed of something something and that is constructed of something and it all comes down to what i call funk and whatever funk is constructed of it's just more funk (laughs) and it will always expand uh as time progresses and either humans will discover these things or other sentient life forms or something else will discover what comes next right and it'll all just be the next layer of funk 
And additionally, uh, now that we're outside, uh, there's humans, there's outside of us, there's the universe. Uh, and the universe is expanding into something. Funk. And whatever we find out what that next level of funk is, that is still within another level of funk. And even when it comes to either metaphysical or ethereal or any other description that we don't know yet, it's just a next level of funk. And once we understand that we are all just this funk, because that is an absolute truth. There is no escaping it. We are all constructed of whatever this experience is, whether we like to believe it or not. We are here, we're thinking, and we are essentially all just this experience. And even though we have individualism, where we are individuals, we are still just this collected experience of funk. And when we learn to treat each other so, I think that is Afrofuturism. When we all are just like, wow, we're all in this together and we're all doing these things. And yeah, there's going to be differences and there's still going to be, again, the thesis and antithesis, but there's always that synthesis. And I think that synthesis is funk. And uh, I think I've heard you describe it as black love. And uh, I think it's, it's funk love. It is the eternal just like love of just this brick right in front of us. Because we are essentially these atoms. And like, if you go through the construction and the deconstruction of energy, it's never destroyed. It's always just transferred. And so like, uh, I'll mention this a lot and I've talked about it on a previous podcast. Like, I think death is kind of an illusion. Like, we are transferring each other into our, we are transferring ourselves into each other right now. Uh, and we have been for the, not only just the past two hours, but like interconnectedly uh, through the last few years, you know? Once we became aware of each other, it even started happening even further. But like even before we were aware of each other, we were still in the same kind of social atmosphere. We were interconnected, yeah. And so once we, uh, we've always been just transferring each other into our atmosphere and surroundings. And when we die, yes, we stop doing that kind of transfer to that level of consciousness, but we are still transferring our energy and our atoms into everything and everyone around us uh, forever. Like our bodies will decay. Like let's say we get buried, you know, uh, our bodies will decay into the earth, become the next thing, you know, it'll move into a plant. That plant will get eaten by insects and birds and we are just redistributing into the universe. Yeah. And so uh, our death is really just more life, you know, uh, and that goes forever. And so like we're only here for uh, about limited, a, a limited, limited time. time, let's say a hundred years. Like a lot of, some people live to be a hundred years old, but like when you continue the universe, like you become anything and everything. Like uh, eventually when, let's say two, uh, let's say 2000 years down the line, for example, like your body has probably, your atoms of your body have moved on in so many different ways that like you are now expanded all over the universe. And not just that, but like when you were alive, you were spreading yourself even further in all different ways as the earth was moving through the universe. And so you are spreading yourself across this cosmos and that like you are eternal now. We, what was it? I saw someone say like, we're literally just like the cosmos animated. Like before we were, like we were a part of the cosmos and then we became and now like i'm just literally the consciousness of the cosmos animated within my body yeah and when i'm no longer i just return back into the cosmos and so, you help the next thing and i help the next thing so like while i have while i am a co- why while i am the cosmos animated i'm here to do something yeah. because when i no longer have this body i'm going to be back a part of just like the cosmos and I I can't affect the world in the same way that I can affect it right now as she yeah and that is like when I get into philosophical discussions of people like when I hear someone being like I don't matter or I have no effect on the world it's like I can metaphysically prove you wrong like even if you were just like uh, even if you were a vegetable and you couldn't move you couldn't talk or anything you are still having effect on you on everything around you an immaculate effect just by existing like even a rock or a leaf you're having significant effects on everything yes and so it's just like you don't have to do anything you, you don't are. have to you just are and as long as you just are that is what is most important and then once you realize that that is when 
you could start doing amazing things. Yes. Because you find power. I mean, a part of, you said earlier, you mentioned black love, and sometimes I think about my own child. Like, she's amazing because she is. Mm-hmm. I remember before she was and wanting her to be. Yeah. And now that she is, I'm just always so amazed. I'm like, I am excited at the heartbeat. I am enthralled by the laughter. I am amazed when she's asleep. You know? <laughs> yeah. Just her very being is uh, impacting my whole life. Yeah. And that's everyone, someone's child. And if, if you don't like your parents or your parents don't like, you have a tense relationship, that doesn't mean that, like, your very being isn't so important. Like, I remember one time I had an eight-year-old helping me with a community project. Her job was to hold the thing up. Like, we were painting something. And I was like, I just need you to stand here and hold this up. Because if you don't, it's all going to fall. And our paint is all going to go everywhere. And then this whole project is ruined. And she was just like, are you serious? I was like, you are important. You are so important. Don't go no. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's like what I'm trying to understand and express to people, because again, this is just what I have discovered in my journey of trying to describe like, what are the meanings of life? What, what are the best ways that we can progress into an Afrofuturistic society or, or even beyond that? Uh, It's just that like, we are, again, going back to a funk level, we are each other. Because let's say, again, uh, we die, right? Uh, or, again, it's all just like such a broad concept. We start off as stardust, right? And then that stardust over millions to thousands of years becomes us. Like the Big Bang happened, theoretically, or whatever happened to start the universe. And now we are, at this point in time, once we're gone, that time continues forever. And statistically speaking, we'll eventually wrap itself around almost again. Like, it, it is possible that this is not the first time you and I have been sitting here in this moment. That's pretty cool. And so it is possible that uh, I am you and you are me. And uh, we are literally every single atom just at a different point in time. And when you when people describe the multiverse, that's kind of what it is. It's just the endless amount of time wrapping around in every single way, in every single direction, because time is endless. And that string does not stop. Yeah. And given enough time and statistics, everything happens. Everything is possible. Everything is possible. There is almost no such thing as impossibility. It's like, it's not impossible. It's just improbable. It's improbable <laughs> to our time. Yeah. And to our, yeah, and to our state. But again, improbability still does not mean impossibility. Yes. It, it just means that it's so small chance of happening, but because the universe is timeless, it becomes 100% possible. Oh my God. I love, I love it. Actually, that's, that's a thought that I've had. Every time someone said no, or everyone, every time someone said I can't, I'd just be like, mm, no. You know, because I, I know like the endless possibilities and it's, and the one common thread between all of that is like, I guess your belief in yourself and the actions, you know? So like, if you believe that you can't and you don't, then no, you won't. Exactly, yeah. You know? (laughs) But if you just do, even if you have no freaking idea, all of a sudden you are, Yeah. you know? (laughs) Even if you fail, you have have done. done. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that is the step to becoming. It's just like when you're learning to walk, like if you never fell down, when learning to walk, you would probably walk much differently because you would have no, uh, you would have no fear. Hold on, the siren. I know. But isn't, isn't that the beauty of being human? Yeah. Uh, you learn these mistakes and that is how you learn, by failing. Yeah. Because like, again, if you, if you never fell down when learning how to walk, then you would almost be fearless because like you wouldn't know uh, why you are standing you wouldn't know that you need to stand so you don't fall down you know one thing again with my child i notice is just like your our intuition as humans is to never be deterred like my child did everything she could until she figured out how to climb 
out of her crib. My my child used to use her head to move. Like she would worm around, you know, <laughs> until she figured out how to like, or she got enough strength in her body to like push herself up and crawl with her hands. And I used to call it um, baby push up. And oh, so the, I make up all these songs. And so there's this one song. It's like I wanna go outside, baby push up, baby push up. So I could go for a ride, baby push up, baby push up. <laughs> and it's just like anything that she wanted to do. It was almost like one of those rocky training scenes. It was just <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep, keep, keep until I can get it done. Until you can do. Yeah. yeah. And in in our intuition. Because my child, I don't tell her anything. She just figures it out. So I think within our human intuition, that's just natural. Like well, yeah, we will fight, 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 fight until we get there. And the only thing that takes that away from us is like this this naysay, this creeping doubt, this mm -hmm. whatever it is that, that either other people bring to us or we just like start to stop believing in ourselves or something. Once you're old enough to become aware of doubt, I think that is when things really start to change because like uh, I don't know how to give a good example or anything but like I, I, it's too broad for me to get into because it's like I don't even know what I'm trying to answer myself but really just now I'm brain farting <laughs> I think doubt is that thing. Yeah. I call it a demon of the demon that creeps in and just like takes everything away from you. Um, for me, I used to think that I was not shit. I was like horrible because I wasn't getting anywhere and I was getting all this doubt. But once I was just like, this is me, this is who I am. And I'm going to like a hundred percent double down on that. Like the universe just said, okay. It, 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 that is what I describe, and I say this a lot these days, the funk provides. And when you provide for the funk, as the funk, it gives back to you. And that's what people would say God does, you know. And, and I have almost, I can't prove it, but I have so many instances in my life and other people's lives that I'm trying to point out and discuss that, like, these things do happen. Yeah. The funk does provide. And, like, uh... I would say right now, this moment of us being together, the funk provided this. There's some metaphysical reason uh, that we were on a level in our path of knowledge in epistemology that the funk was like, okay, these two people need to get together at this time and space and talk about these things. And now we're going to evolve from there and we're going to spread what we've learned from whatever. And, uh, and it, it, it just, it all happens together. And then like, what... I would say to notice is like uh, when you're talking to someone you're going to probably see that like oh I was just talking about this yeah. with something like that <laughs> that is the funk provided and these moments happen to us every single day yeah uh, all the time and the more that I started realizing it the more that like it's kind of like lifting weights it's like once you start recognizing these patterns in life in the universe and you start building these weights you start to be able to see it and I think excuse me that I think that that is like almost the next step because of uh, human evolution because brains and humans we're just prediction machines yes and I think that with the help of technology and where we are today we are learning to predict at a faster rate you know uh, we are competing with technology and AI I mean there's a whole industry it's called the futures industry it's called the innovation industry where it's just like I'm going to tell you what's going to look like in about 15 years and this is why you support my innovative idea you know um, I remember when I was younger I used to like to try and predict when like the elevator door would open and I would be like open and, you know, and they would open and they sometimes. would open and sometimes but I, I always felt like it just it was a matter of practice you know just like being able to time it and, and be one with the universe yeah. you know and I feel like that's exactly what it means it's like like the whole world is this gigantic machine and you're just waiting for the point to where you're like the conductor saying like this is going to open now it's your turn to do this you know like you're the one in control 
And when you can like move energy or call in and call out energy like that, then that's when you really are living within your power. And that's yeah. when um, things start to get real strange, you yeah. know? <laughs> but then, uh, and I completely agree, that is really when things start to get like, you become more aware and things do get strange. But there's also like, even though you are in control, you are also paradoxically not in control. Yeah. The universe is still doing its thing. And uh, again, as the funk provides, it's not always a humanistic good thing, you know? Sometimes the funk provides in ways of suffering. You have to suffer in order to learn, you know? It prepares you for whatever is next. It is providing you these experiences so that you know how to better provide for yourself and everything else around you in the next second you know actually you know what you kind of just described to me why i've been so nervous because like i've been wanting and wanting and wanting and i'm getting opportunities but now i'm like oh my god oh my god oh my god because it's one thing to be just someone who's it's, it's a small fish in a big pond or a big fish in a small pond it's one thing to be like super cool and super knowledgeable in a small pond where everyone's like oh yeah you want to know about that go to Chicago. But whenever you get to a big pond, it's just like you can be consumed or like the, the waves that are around you like can change who you are and you don't know how that's going to end, you know? Yeah, until you do it. And even if like you now are this big fish in this, or this small fish in this bigger pond and you become, you get eaten, right? You just are taken out because I mean, people die, people, things come and go. That's just part of the ways of the universe. That is preparing still the the next level of funk, the next escalon. Even though it's not you, you're still affecting everything that now has consumed you. Yeah. You know. I can see that. And so it's just like, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You are going to be who you meant. Whatever is meant for you will always be for you. It will exactly. And there's no denying it. And like, I mean, physically, yes, there is denying it. You can be here and be like, nope, I'm not going to make that decision, or I'm not going to do these things. But that in itself is a choice, and it's still a part. The universe has chosen for you to do that. Like, it still knew that it was coming, and it's going to prepare some other path or, you know, any other thing. It, it's, it is universally uh, omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, you know. Uh, just like they say God is, you know, but to a different degree of level. It's not a person or a being. It is just this experience it, it yeah. just is and that that's why i call it funk because god has such negative connotations uh at this point in time god is a word that means something different to everyone exactly yeah it's a, it's an acquired definition like if i say apple uh everyone hearing that word right now thinks of a different type of apple i thought of the computer <laughs> oh, see exactly we all think of something different and so like that's why i am trying to describe what funk is but even in my description of funk I still have it open that like it is different for each and every single one of us even though we are all experiencing the same funk it is different individually yeah creative and creation that's also like a word balance because if you're creative then you're kind of always thinking about how to create and what is creation um, in that way being creative is very uh, spiritual you really have yeah. to get um, an understanding of what it is that you would like to create and bring forth into the world. Be very careful of what it is that you would like to bring into the world because um, you never know what you're producing, what you're creating, you know? Uh, that's just some, like, Africanism, you know? They always say that also about, like, with your children. Be very careful of what you are creating and when you name your children, be very um, intentional. Um, one story I have about that my brother had two children the first one was a boy and he was very serious about it he named him like Abraham he was very like very serious about it but then they got second of second time and this time he said oh you know it's no big deal our first child everything went so smoothly you know we're this is more like a joke we're gonna name him Archer after that TV series Archer and I absolutely hate that TV series Archer and you know what happened to that child that child was born a whole two months early and 
when he was born, he was born so tiny that he had to be on all these machines. And then when he, he, he survived, he got bigger, but now he has like emotional things where he just mm-hmm. like gets angry and he just, he has all these outbursts and he's barely even four years old. And now whenever I come and visit my brother, they have to treat him super seriously. That is a common thing with second children. Yeah. Um, because again, the, the parents with their first child uh, they have no experience and so they're like oh we got to do all these things super serious blah blah blah. and then with the second child they're like oh we can take things more lackadaisical you know uh, there are even studies that say that like your second child is more likely to commit a crime mm. or become a criminal or anything uh, and then the third child comes in and makes them a middle child and that causes even more problems because the middle child is usually like ignoring everything because the third is usually becomes the favorite you know because now they all know what they're doing they know what mistakes they made with the second one Uh, and the psychology behind all these things is just insane but I completely agree that like uh, you can't just like you can't take life for granted that and you can't take another life for granted because like if you just be all like lackadaisical and stuff like that that energy feeds into what happens what happens yeah I was also thinking about one more thing like I am the youngest and it's so funny that so many people who are in entertainment or in comedy, they oftentimes are the youngest. You know, Dave Chappelle always talks about how he was the youngest. There's more than one stories about how someone's the youngest. Yeah, you're absolutely right, yeah. And the youngest is always trying to keep things steady or together or, you know, like lighten the mood or, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I find that to be so interesting. Um, just kind of talking about families. What, what a concept. You're absolutely right. I'd love to like dive more into that, but I don't have answers for it. You know, it's just, that's the question, listeners. It's just like, why, why do y'all think that is? Yeah. What is your family like? Are you the youngest? I am the youngest. Uh, I have an older brother. Um, and then my mom and my dad, uh, they are still together. And so I am privileged in that because uh, a lot of relationships and parents, you know, in our generation have divorced. Like, I think it's like 80% divorce rate or whatever. Yeah. And so, yeah, I am blessed in that factor. Um, but I would say that I am the the chill kid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think that's just, that leads into like my philosophy. And I've always been someone who like kind of went against the grain, you know, because I mean, I'm an artist and that's kind of like the the first skill of an artist is to just take do a different approach to things. Yeah. Uh, and so I don't think that I fit exactly into the book of like, if you were to like psychologically break things down of like, oh, you're hitting this check mark or that check mark. I don't think I would hit all the check marks. <laughs> but that's just me. I don't know, maybe I would. Uh, but I definitely think I go against the grain. Our family is all right. Uh, we're fun. We're a, a simple family. Uh, he's married though. He has a kid. I have a lovely niece that I love. She was born on uh, International Women's Day, so Ooh. March 8th. Uh, it's going to be her sixth birthday. Six years old. Yeah, next month. Congratulations. Happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday, T-Dog. Uh, she's having a pool party. That's always a good party. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, just one of your, I, I guess, normal families, you know, or average, because, like, everyone has it so different with each of their families, and everyone has such different experience, but, like... I, I could say that, like, I do also have white privilege, you know, I have that white middle-class uh, family, you know, like, nothing really ever too bad ever happened to us. We were always stable, and so there is that. And so I, I that is another thing that I try to, like, reflect and honor, you know, that it's like, how do I not take advantage of that, and how do I, again, redistribute wealth and success? You know, ironically... I've, I've also had a very stable life. Um, my mom works as a nurse, and then she moved into nurse practitioners, which are, you know, she gets paid. She's, like, always gotten paid um, 150K or more for at least 20 years now. So we have always been really stable, but the thing is, I've, I've experienced people who make me feel bad about that. Yeah, same. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I wish that, like, people would understand is, like, even though... I have had steady things and maybe you have had steady things. Uh, I have still had to work very hard for who I am and where I am today. And yes, I did have some privilege in the fact that like I did have stable parents to fall back on and stuff. But like, uh, like I would even give example right now. I rent 
the upstairs to my parents' house. I pay a rent, and uh, I have that privilege because I have kept a good relationship with my parents. Yeah. I've never, you know, like, I was not a problematic kid that, like, went out and, like, you know, like, disobeyed them in, like, ways that, like, would alienate us now. And so uh, I think some people that may have had that experience would be, like, like that, the blame us for having that privilege you know it's like how dare you have that when i don't have that and it's kind of goes into the whole human like i suffered so you have to suffer too i think that's very true like in my own family like i know my family's story and i know that my mom lived in a difficult life and then she fought to have a good life and she felt like she fought so like her other sisters were very envious of her but they also had to fight yeah you know um now like as a whole because i have 10 aunts and uncles like as a whole we're all good but like coming up like my family actually was really envious of my mother and therefore it created uh, kind of like um distance between me and my my other family members I was always seen as like too privileged or whatever and I just felt like so sad because I of loved, that classist divide yeah I yeah. loved my family I, and I always wanted to do more stuff with them and I think that's why I came became who I am today where I'm always looking for someone to do art with because like when I was really little me and my cousin used to make movies like really like we would write movies scripts out and then like find clothes and like have my mom record them and everything and I just wanted to continue doing that I told you about me and my friends who had a fake band and that's just always been who I am I'm always just trying to do projects projects but it's all about connection and it's all always about like building building families building creative communities and the thing that I dislike about the world now and how it's reflected in my family is like people really don't oftentimes want to be a community it's it's the people yeah. who i find the most community with are creative people yeah i agree yes and then like everyone else is just like not even trying because i i think what it feeds into is the concept that we're talking about of just that like we had the privilege to be able to do these things and then when you try to help others do the same it's like they don't want a part of it you know because uh, they're like oh you had it better than me or you your family was okay your family was stable uh, or many other things you know and it's just like it's such a weird concept to uh, how do I word this just like to just have had a life like this is this life was out of your hands you were just provided this life because everyone worked for it right and now you're a part of it and now someone is like, how dare you have that life? Mm. You know? How dare you live? How dare you be? How dare you show me something that I feel like I can't have? That, yeah. I wish we wouldn't do that. As a people, as a human race, as like, you know, but also, I mean, I'm wishing for a world that doesn't exist right now. Um, because I think that that furthers the divide of like, of capitalism. Uh, we, it puts us against each other rather than against the people who are establishing those social constructs. constructs yes. And uh, that is what they want. That is what the people who are in charge have always wanted. And, that the, and now they have even higher command to do that because they have all the money and the psychology and the manipulation of technology to be able to further these divides. Man, I know we're running out of time, but I kind of want to like have a little bit of nostalgia. Do you, I mean, I remember, do you remember when we were like little, little kids? Like, and I was born in 1989, so like 1990, I was one, 1995, I was five. And when we were really little, like I remember them talking about how we were the first group of kids that really got to be in an integrated, equal classroom. Yeah. Like, like our parents didn't get to ch- be in classes with so many different types of people from so many different types of background. And like when we were little, they were always talking about how we would just be something like to change the world because we were all like the dream we were the martin luther king dream you know they always had these pictures of like a black kid and a white kid and an asian kid and hispanic kid holding hands around the world like that was supposed to be us and and then they they sold that future to capitalism 
Man. That's that's kind of what happened. The baby boomers were just like they promised us all these things. They made us believe that this was the future, and then they sold it. They were like, you know what? No, let's not retire. Let's keep making money, and then all those dreams kind of washed away, in、mm. a way. Now the ideas and the dreams are still there, because、uh, we grew up in that diversification. Like I, I know for myself, like. The high school I went to was, at the time in Fort Bend, was one of the most diverse schools in the entire nation,、mm. uh, outside of Houston and Sugarland. And so it's just like, I feel honored to have been a part of that because, like,、uh, I hear so many like people who just went to schools of like all the same race and all the same anything, you know. It's today schools are more segregated than they were even during segregation. Yeah, and, and that's insane. Yeah,、uh, and that's again where we were talking about earlier, like. I don't think schools need to be in person or like that. Like, why can't I just turn on TV and be in school? And like,、uh, even without homework, like, there should just be like a way that like, again, if I watch this program,、uh, then like, why can I not be like tested on that or like、uh, reexamined? Like, why do I not now have the knowledge of a thirty-minute like? Like, I remember when I, we were in school. A class one day would just be like watching a Bill Nye video. Yes, you know, and it's like we went on like we went to a bread factory, and we Mrs. Baird's bread factory,、oh, and we、legit. got to eat bread and learn about bread, and that was a day of school. Yeah, why is that not a thing really these days? And it really could be because we have the technology to do that, and you don't even have to bring the entire class. Just send.、Uh, Let's say you send a student with a camera, and they just document their experience and they learn their things because there are now influencers who do that. There are kids who want to do these things, and they have the ability to do that. And so it's just like we could entirely re-establish the school systems, and that would also help with free schooling. Anyone could be more schooled, you know. Like anyone could just again turn on the TV or turn on the internet and find these things. And there would just be a database of all of it. So it's like even if like you didn't want to watch that thing right now, you can come back to it because there's a database of it. Exactly. You know, the last thing is again, I was looking at the demographics and the psychographics of Gen X, Millennials, and Gen Z, and then the Baby Boomers. And I was looking at it. Did you know that the Millennial population is actually bigger than the Gen X and the Gen Z? Like right now, there are more、uh, people of our age and of our background than there are of the younger and the older. That makes sense to me because、uh, the baby boomer generation had such a good economy,、uh, economy and stability level that they were all able to have kids because, like, they could work the minimum wage jobs or anything and buy a house, go to college, do all these things, and still not be in debt. And so it's like, all right, let's have a kid. Whereas our generation. Are working our entire lives, and we're always in debt, you know. And so it's just like having a kid really is not a great option,、yeah. you know. It, it, most of us would rather have a dog. I want you to tie the two things out. So we are the dream generation. We are the generation that, up to this point, we've had the most stable and the most diverse education. We're actually better, well educated, better read. We have a higher literacy rate than Gen Z. Yeah. And we're actually a generation of like ideals and ideas, and we are bigger than the the younger and the older. And so for me, like that's just so much hope, because I, I mean that just means that we we all grew up in this dream. So I could just be like, do you remember、yeah. when we were together? Yeah. And 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 we could reestablish that link, and we could fucking change everything. What, you know. What I'm hoping is that like so. Scientifically, what we're seeing is that like the Earth and humans as a species may not have a lot more time on this planet. About like ten, twenty years. Yeah, because we have destroyed the planet, and so like what I'm hoping is like that our generation,、uh, we're now getting to the age where we're taking over. We are now becoming, you know, the leaders in everything, and we're seeing these things and we're having these discussions. And I just hope that Gen Z is willing to back us on these things because it's going to be up to them, you know. Gen Z is having an existential crisis, and they're looking for meaning. Yeah. And honestly, 
as long as we continue to create meaning and talk about existential things like we are right now, I do believe that we can get the younger kids on because they don't believe in anything. Yeah. And so you have to, you have to believe and you have to actually talk the talk, walk the walk and actually like live in your beliefs to get them on board. Yeah. Because they will call bullshit. Yeah. And they want to see like sh- shut up or put up, yeah. that kind of thing. And so for me, like you said, nothing happens on accident. I, I feel like our, our grandparents and our parents had a dream and they actually did the dream. They actually did the dream. They gave us the dream life. And then they, even though they didn't continue it, they got one generation to live in the dream and then everything started going to shit. So like, because we know what it means to like manifest dreams and live within a manifested dream, like I, I almost it sounds so crazy, but I almost feel like we can do this. Like we are, we and are the heroes. Again, like I was talking about earlier, everything is possible. Like even a percentage of zero 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 point one, right, or point zero 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 one. When that happens, right, then it is then one hundred percent possible because it happened. Even though it's so improbable, once it happens, it is one hundred percent possible. And, uh, and so it's like, we just have to decide to do it. Now, what we're facing is, again, the people who successfully and through thousands of years have built these, project, these uh, where we're at now. And now what's happening is they're taking advantage of it. Mm-hmm. And so it is fighting that taking, being taken advantage of. And it's so difficult because, like, let's say uh, someone like myself or let's look at Bernie Sanders, for example. It's that uh, If someone like Bernie Sanders or myself were to be put in office, we are going to change so many policies against that corruption. Yes. And those people who are corrupt, doing the corruption, have the power to say, no, you are not going to stop my profits or anything because we have the money, we have the power. And so any people like us, like you and I, we are shut out because... Uh, we are fighting such higher powers that have so much control and they've had control for so long that like to dis- uh, disintegrate these things or like re-establish all of this, again, it's now this point zero 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 one percent But again, if we do it, then it's 100% and we can do it. I am 100%. Marcus Garvey, um, he he had this speech and he said, meet me at the end. (laughs) He was like, things are going to get real, real, real bad, but just be there at the end and we're going to win, you know? (laughs) Here, walk with me. We got a few more, but my parking is about to expire. But yeah, I completely agree. And like, now we're just in this, uh question of like the how and uh again like i've mentioned a few times we are the antithesis and we are against the thesis mm-hmm. and we're trying to reach that synthesis but my issue and what i try to expand to anyone listening and to everyone is like if we were to reach this synthesis we have to figure out a way where it's not going to redivide again into a thesis and antithesis. Mm-hmm. How do we do that? And again, going back, I think that is what Afro- Afrofuturism is. Yes. Is that synthesis. Yes. Because we're not trying to build a world divided. We're trying to build a world where we build the tools to learn how to fix division. I mean, because like the utopia that we're all talking about isn't going to be devoid of problems, right? That's what yeah. my friend Jalen said. But the, the difference between us who want to build the tools and those who don't is that we're, we're actively looking how to solve problems in a way that is inclusive and provides life-giving solutions for everyone. For, and not just, uh, and this is going to be a very difficult thing, but not just for everyone, but I'm also arguing for everything. Everything. Like, uh, outside of humanism, into speciesism. Like, uh, we should be able... Uh, again, if we are all this connection of funk, we need to learn how to provide for that funk and be there for literally everything. Like, how do I... How do I help uh, these rocks, you know? Like, it, 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 are they are they well where they are, you know? Like, 
uh, why isn't there like a snail doctor you know like <laughs> just I know they sound like silly concepts they're not but snails are important exactly and so it's just like uh, once we reach a level of like now that we're getting into uh, neural connections let's say that eventually we are able to talk to animals or feel what they're feeling because let's say that we're going into brain-to-brain communication language no longer becomes a barrier mm-hmm. because we can feel what our brains are experiencing yeah. and so then we know that like I, I just understand you without language and so again like if we are able to think as a snail <laughs> then it, then we can have a snail doctor you know it's like oh I know what you need now and I, I as a human have that ability to help you as a snail are have you don't have thumbs like I do so yes you can't fix your shell like I would be able to you know Dr. Doolittle much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of, yes. But to the metaphysical degree. Yes. Learning All right. from nature and protecting nature. Oh, let's, there's music over here. So let's close things off. Tishana, uh, thank you for being on. Where can people find you, follow you, support you? You can find me online at artivismcommunityart.com, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at artivismcommunityart. You can also pay me, PayPal me at artivismcommunityart, uh, but don't ask me about Cash App or Venmo. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Shatana, thank you so much for being on all of these. I had so much fun, Sean. Thank you. Absolutely. And thank y'all for listening. Adios. Love y'all.